0: yeah oh yeah can I get up oh yeah oh yeah can I get up a- what's up enterprisers welcome to another episode of the enterprise now podcast where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur we talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand I'm your host LZ the mayor now let's get to it all right, folks, we have another edition of the Enterprise Now podcast, and I'm super excited for our guest in our conversation today, SF Banks. This brother is so cool that he don't even have a name. He just had two initials, SF. SF, how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm great, bro. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm good, man. I, you know, I wish that I were was so cool that I only had initials, but, you know, we'll I lost all of my cool points when I became a dad, so I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs>
1: hey, man, well, i tell you, man, the, one of the first times uh, some of my friends saw the name SF Banks, they were like, man, what, what you think you a battleship or something? <laughs> They're like, what is that? You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, when I first yeah. saw it, you know, at first I didn't really know what to think, but it's super cool.
1: Well, i tell you, man, it, it came from, um, so it stands for Sean's Free. And one of my goals when I first started out on my journey, or just this as a kid wanting to be business owner, was to, to be able to make own shots and to do that. And so that's where that SF came from. That's what it stands for a Sean's Free. And that was something I always wanted to say to myself. It was like an affirmation. And so uh, you know that's how I manifested it.
0: That's cool. That's cool. So SF, can I get it? A- oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. So we like to get right to the point. Tell us a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship.
1: Well, my journey into entrepreneurship started with with my parents. My mother was a, a business owner. She uh, owned a janitorial service. And my father, I was a business owner as well. And just watching them, watching their work ethic, watching how they just made things happen because I was fortunate to watch both my parents really build from the from the ground up. So I was able to see what it was like before, you know, anything happened and then able to see what things were like as things started to happen and then to see the challenges that came about uh, with being a business owner. And then that's where everything kind of kicked off for me. I had a desire to want to be a business owner myself just because I was following the example that I saw and put everything in that direction.
0: Nice. So you mentioned you got a first-hand look at some of the challenges, right? What right. were some of those challenges, if you can share?
1: Oh, man, for my parents, it was watching For my mom. It was watching the challenges of hiring people and getting good, good staff on her team. That was always a constant issue that she would have was being able to hire good people that would do the job, especially in janitorial, because it's a lot of work. Getting people that will show up on time, be, you know, take initiative, be self-sufficient. And then watching her have to get, you know, be able to get the deals, being able to get some of the bigger deals. I mean, she started out cleaning some of her friends' homes, which is very humbling when you think about it. And especially in 2022, you say you want to start a janitorial service and you tell your friend, Hey, man, I want to come clean your house. I kind of mixed emotions about that, but that's how she started. And, and then she got a big break uh, for doing that with my dad it was really interesting because he was a black man in the 80s that was moving and shaking in Seattle. At the time, there were only three coffee shops really going. It was Starbucks, Seattle's Best, and Freddy's. And Freddy's my father. And so just watching him navigate through that time, purchasing real estate, people not wanting him to get the real estate, the challenges he'd have to go through with that, also hiring people and those kinds of issues, finding the right kind of properties, making business deals. It was just a lot of challenges that they went through.
0: So let's step back a little bit and talk about hiring people. Right now, at the time we're recording this, it is 2022. We're still sort of in this pandemic thing, right? And hiring people is a deal. Is it is an issue? (laughs) I don't know if all the people who work decided that for whatever reason they're just not going to go to work anymore, or where are all the people? (laughs) So, what? How? How do you hire good people? What is the hack? Give us the goods.
1: Well, the hack to hiring good people is is first knowing a couple of things. One, you got to know what it is that you're looking for, right? You have to have a clear job description of the person that you're looking for. I want a person that, you know, is able to do these sorts of things. And then it is being willing to really seek that person. Uh, I read something the other day and and he said, the gentleman said, uh, one of the the best ways to hire good people is you find them at your competitor and then you pay them more money and then you offer incentives. <laughs> I mean, and when you think about it, it's like, how else are you going to find great people if you're not taking them from your competitor, paying them more money and then offering them incentives? Now, if you don't want to do something like that, because that seems that, you know, that's a, that's one way to do it, but maybe a more ethical way of doing it is finding Because when you go to find people, you don't know if they're really going to be good or not. And you put a lot of money into training them and a lot of time into training them. But it's really being cautious about the people that you hire, knowing what it is that you're looking for, and then setting, putting tests in the beginning, right? So one of the biggest tests for anybody is can they show up on time, right? And then after that, then, you know, what's the next test and what's the next test? And you keep setting those tests. And as they keep passing them and they keep performing, then you should pay them as they perform.
0: That's good stuff. Um you mentioned too one well, with your mom, you kind of watched her start cleaning friends' houses. Right? So there's all kind of like we could literally do another podcast about humility, about self-awareness, yeah. about really when you're the boss, that means that you are the the chief servant. That's a whole different podcast. What I want to touch on <laughs> <laughs> is Getting bigger deals, especially I'm in the service industry and a lot of times, you know, it's not as much about what you do. It's more about the the relationships you build and how you treat and how you serve your customers. So talk about that a little bit. A lot of new entrepreneurs are in the service industry. So how do you get those bigger deals? Whether that's a mindset thing or give us some insight.
1: Absolutely. So the... Business is all about service. And one of the things where people are failing now in a, at a tremendous rate is that their customer service sucks. Their service sucks. They have an entitlement mentality where you think the customer is supposed to chase you. As a customer, I'm not going to pay you and chase you. Right. So if I'm paying you, then you you chase me. If I have the money, then you chase me because that's service. And it doesn't mean that you're kissing up or, you know, that that you're a sucker or anything like that. What it means is that you're really showing that you care for the client. It's going above and beyond. Right now, everything is about, you know, what's your budget? Right. How much can you pay me to do this job? As if you're doing the client a favor, not realizing that the client is really doing you a favor because they everybody has a cell phone. And in their phone are thousands of people. And all you need is for one customer to put you on to their friends. They don't have to have 50,000 likes on social media or followers. That one person can put you on and it will explode your business. And I'll give you several examples of how that happened in my life and how I watch it happen in my mom and my dad's life. For example, my mom, I told you she started cleaning her friends' houses first. Well, she started cleaning her friends' houses and some people were laughing at her. Like, man, you're out here cleaning houses. You know, my mom was educated. She had, you know, all this, you know, all this, 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 this information, right? This knowledge, but she was cleaning houses. And the people were laughing. But what happened is, is that one of her friends was in the politics and that friend, she started cleaning his house before he became who he was and cleaning his house. And one day he ran for mayor of Seattle and then he won. And became the first black mayor of Seattle, Mayor Norm Rice. Well, my mother was cleaning Norm Rice's house before he became mayor. So when he became mayor, who do you think he had who keep coming to clean his house? My mother. Well, by association... Because she was cleaning the mayor's house, all of a sudden she could say, hey, I'm cleaning the mayor of Seattle's house. And boom, just like that, judges, attorneys, business owners, engineers, all kind of people. And Seattle was a very affluent place, started coming to her because of that humility, because she was cleaning just that one customer. And she got so much business just from that one customer. I mean, it started taking care of. That's how we got out the hood, was from that, from that door opening. And you know what? The thing about it is she went to high school with him. So it was even a, a deeper set of humility, right? That you went to high school with somebody and had to go and start cleaning their house, but she knew what she was doing. She didn't have that much price. So service is about being humble and, and doing the best job, going above and beyond, and it'll, it'll pay back huge dividends in the future.
0: All right, podcast over. Uh, there's nothing else we need to say. <laughs> <laughs> the show is over, folks.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I, yeah. I got nothing to say about that. So SF, tell us about your journey to start You Can Have It All Magazine.
1: Okay. So You Can Have It All Magazine was created out of a need to expand. So, you know, we have Camp Worry King, which is a youth development camp that exposes kids to activities they normally wouldn't experience during the school year. And with Camp Worry King, I didn't want to duplicate that, right? Just with it's, you know, with kids, it's a lot of liability. And we want to kind of keep it like a boutique program where people come to us for camp. With You Can Have It All magazine, I realized that camp, there were a lot of kids that were lacking personal development skills, right? How to start a business, how to have focus, self-confidence, self-efficacy, determination, all these different things they needed to become successful. And we realized that there were more and more kids were having it. So we started the You Can Have It All conferences first, where we started traveling and going and doing youth conferences. And then I realized, okay, there's a way to get this out without physically being in front of kids all the time. And that's where You Can Have It All magazine came from. And so it is the greatest youth motivational magazine you'll find in the world. There's nothing like it. We've already hit, you know, 10 different countries with the magazine. We're getting spotlights from kids all over the world. And it's really inspiring because it's allowing kids to go after their dreams in spite of the circumstances, that's what it's about. And being able to see other kids their age doing great things, and kids are writing articles and submitting information. It's all about going after the dreams.
0: All right. So, in your answer, the thing that stands out to me is, and this is true no matter what business it is, you saw a need, and you filled it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, because that's that's what business is about, and that's how you stay relevant in business. And that's how you stay profitable in a business is to constantly find a need and fulfill it to fill that need. And that's all I've been doing is, you know, we see a need and it's like, okay, let's fill that need. We see this issue over here. How can we fill it? And that's really what it's about. It's because filling a need ultimately is being a servant, right? It's you're serving your customer base. You see, they need something else. And the whole idea is to fill that need and to fill it before somebody else comes and fills it. Because anytime you allow a need to stay there, then as a savvy business person, they're going to go and feel that need. And all of a sudden your customer base is gone. Because the thing about a customer is that customer loyalty, it's almost like a a one-sided relationship, right? They're only going to be there as long as it's good. But when you stop giving them what they want, man, they're gone, right? And that's just how it works. So you have to make sure you're on top of your game.
0: Mm -hmm. Now talk a little bit about the practical side of it, right? Naturally, you see a need, you feel it. It's in your blood, obviously, mom, dad, both business people. What are some of the practical things that you did when you said, "Okay, this is a need. Now I'm going to go fill it. Give us some some insight on the thing, the things that you did to get that launched.
1: Okay, so with Can't Worry King, for example, I didn't know how to. Run a youth camp. I didn't have a passion to work with kids at all. I didn't wake up and say, ah, oh, yeah, I want to spend my life, you know, developing youth. I couldn't stand kids. Right? <laughs> so, so that in itself made it very difficult for me to be able to do what I was doing. But one of, when I, the first year we started Camp Worry King, I didn't have any knowledge on how to work with youth. It was a need that the parents i had been working with for the martial arts program had. And I surrounded myself with people that were better than me, people that knew how to work with youth. So one of the practical things I did was get people that were better than me in the area I was working on because then I was able to glean knowledge from them. So I didn't have to be the smartest person at the table. I had to be the one that could facilitate and get the smartest people at the table and then learn how to put it together. And so once we did that, I mean, We didn't have a location to have camp, right? We didn't have this building. We didn't go and write a check for three million dollars or something to get a building. So what we did is we started calling and knocking on doors to as many facilities as we could to say, "Hey, can we host our camp here?" And we have money to be able to pay you. And money talks all day long, right? If you have something to offer, right, then people are going to say, "Hey, look, absolutely, you know, we'll, you know, that deal, we'll make a deal that works." And and that's what we did. The getting kids for camp. I mean, we were beating the street. I mean, it's all about hard work. We were putting flyers up like we were trying to promote an album, man. I mean, up on on light posts and grocery stores. If I saw a lady with kids, she would get a flyer. I put magnets on the side of my car. I mean, I blew my whole savings starting the first camp and ended up owing my staff money. A lot of people walked off and quit. I had one guy that said he would stay. It took me three months, sorry, to pay him back the money I owed him from the first year of camp. But he's been with me for 10 years since then, right? Because we were supposed to get a hundred kids the first year. We only got twenty-nine. Everybody knows, you know, one plus one is two. When the numbers don't add up, don't add <laughs> you bleed out. <laughs> <laughs> and the numbers weren't adding up. <laughs> but I mean, we were putting forth a lot of hard work to make things happen.
0: Got it. That's really, really good stuff. Talk to me a little bit about can-do attitude i heard you mention in there you didn't have everything you you needed at first but you didn't let that stop you
1: right the can-do attitude is one of the most important things you have to have as a business owner because a business is all about solving problems and so once you understand that your job is ultimately to solve a problem that people have and then the more successful you become, the more problems you're going to have, which means the more successful you become after you solve the problem. And if you don't have an attitude that I can do it and I can make it happen, then you start to succumb to the problems and they'll just overtake you. You're quitting You walk away. And it's has it's yeah. been done. I'll have days. We have good days. We have bad days. We have days when it's like, man, this is wonderful. And days where it's like, why am I doing it? And goes back to, and this is a very cliche phrase, but it's true. It goes back to your why. Why are you doing it? And the truth is, is that if you're doing it just to make money, you're not going to do it for long because what you'll realize is that you can make money doing anything. And so you'll find the easier thing to make money and you may not make as much, but you'll start to shrink down to the size of your income. And so when it's like, ah, oh, man, I, I used to want to really be a, you know, whatever, whatever. And, but you know, now it's kind of cool way right? things you start dealing with aren't worth the fight. But when you have a reason and it sets you on fire, when you think about it and you know, it really makes a difference. One of the greatest things that sets people on fire when they're business owners are their children. And the reason why your child will set you on fire as a business owner, if you're a present parent, and what I mean by that is actively engaged in your children's life, it'll set you on fire because what you'll start to do is you'll start to work for them. You won't work for yourself anymore. You'll start to want them to have more and be able to see things and be able to do all this cool stuff that you maybe either didn't get to do or things you were able to do that you want to do for your children. And that why will fuel you. It'll push you when people are telling you no, get out our face. When you lose a business contract, things go be gone.
0: Absolutely. Everything that you said with the cherry on top and uh, vanilla shake. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> if, if people want to, to reach out to you, learn more about what you do, why you do it, how can they do that?
1: best way is, is IG, of course, SF Dreams Big is my IG, you know, they can reach out to me there anytime, uh, connect what we have going on ask questions because I believe that anybody can do it. And we have a big world out here and the opportunities are, are endless. Um, you know, and then also they can go to, you can have it all magazine. If they want to see what we're doing with the magazine and they get connected. If they want their youth to, you know, submit paperwork, to have an opportunity to be in the magazine, then definitely hit us up.
0: Awesome, man. Thanks again for your time. And we'll talk with you. Sounds good. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it.